I'm your host, Julie Hockheiser Ilkovich, and today I am here with two New York Women in Communications board members, Georgia Galanudis, who is the Senior Vice President, Executive Strategy Director at Roxa, and Leslie Peterson, Vice President Communications, Global Media at Nielsen. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having us. And this is a very exciting, unique, special episode. We're going to be talking about a lot of things, but we are specifically going to be talking about an, a New York Women in Communications initiative, the Pivot Grant, and what that means, and what pivoting is, and what that means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so lots of topics to cover. We'll start by talking about coffee. And actually, I'm, I'm almost never drinking coffee while we record, and today I am, so I feel like I'm really on brand. Um, what are each of your coffee drinks of choice? And I'll have, I'll have Georgia start so we can get used to the voices, because when we have two people, it might be <laughs> going to let you introduce yourselves, but um, I'll have Georgia start. Thank you, Julie. Um, I um, love coffee. I only really discovered coffee after the birth of my second child. Wow, that's when, late in life. When I really, really needed it. Right. <laughs> I can't believe you survived your first child. <laughs> exactly. And I'd say I, like most things, I like a little bit of variation. So, uh, but my go-to would be black coffee in a cup. There we go. That's it. That's where I'm at, too. I, I saw this, and I was like, oh, we're going to be super boring, because I'm the person who walks into Starbucks, and it's like, grande pike with a splash of soy milk right. back, like, the end. Yeah, I'm pretty, like, it's, Make it easy. it's very functional for me. I'm just like, I just want black, a splash of soy milk, and I'm out. I, it's funny, because, well, the listeners will be tired of hearing me say this, but I learn so much, I think, from, like, the women I talk to, like about their from their coffee choices, I really do like, and so I kind of think a lot of women, especially successful women, go with like black coffee or just like kind of especially in New York, any coffee. They're like, I'll take whatever coffee is available to me. But I think it's like how the men who lead tech companies wear the same outfit every day. It's like decision fatigue. <laughs> it's it's just the like, best in the hoodie uniform, right? Of women, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like for I can't sure. make a decision about my coffee. Just. Save me the time. I can't do it. Um, Will you talk a little bit about your roles, actually, on the New York Women in Communication board or within the organization to start? Um, Because it's unique for us to have board members on our show. So start by talking about that, and then we'll dive into some of the other information we're going to talk about today. Well, I'll kick it off. We're both actually leading the same committee, the Communications Committee, and um, that has quite a broad swath of responsibilities. Um, Some of it is strategic, some of it is very tactical about what kind of content is showing up where, what are we talking about as an organization, where should our focus be at a particular moment in time. And um, I've been in this role, I don't know now, it feels like a little while Mm -hmm. because I picked up from a maternity leave candidate. So I covered a little extended period of time and Leslie joined me, I would say about a year ago. And um, it's been a a lovely partnership. That's one of the things that I appreciate more than anything. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like having that, um, when I joined, Georgia had all this institutional knowledge about here's what we've been doing in terms of transforming the way that we communicate. And so there was an ability for me to come in and kind of 
add to, which is really great in terms of a partnership. It's not as if there was ever a point where we were like, this is how we've always done things. Like we both took on this committee with the mindset of how do we want to do it going forward? And I think that's been really great to have that alignment because it's meant that we're both kind of on this track of how do we help this organization grow and evolve in terms of who we reach and who we communicate to. And I think that's been great to have that shared mission Mm -hmm. and to move forward that way. And this is, I'm rerouting us a bit, but how do you balance, because you both have these very busy jobs, and how do you balance, you know, the the New York Women in Communications volunteer work with your other jobs, even though it's, or your day jobs, even though it's all in kind of the same universe, but it's a lot. So we've, you know, (laughs) the hot conversation now is just like, not even work-life balance, just like, Make it all happen. Like yeah. sometimes it's going to be more work. Sometimes it's going to yeah. be more life. But what um, are some you know things that you do or things you've learned in terms of balance through this role? I'd say it's the partnership piece, right? Like we definitely have weeks where we will email each other. Like I'm underwater. Can you get this? Right. And it's it reciprocal, and we both Great. do it equally. And I think um, that's been a really big lesson for me. I think in in working on the board, but also just in general in my career is realizing it doesn't always have to be me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I can be accountable for something and still reach out for help and that those things aren't mutually exclusive. So I think that's been great knowing that we both were entering this as like people whose calendars are like back to back to back to back to back. Right, like anyway. Anyways, we both like respect that and respect each other's time and know like when I put my hand up and say I really need help on this, that like you're able to step in as well. So I think that's been really That's great. great. Yeah. I think that's a good thing to just, in life, yeah. <laughs> rely on people. It's fine if you're not the one to always do it. I want to talk about each of your own career paths. Um, you know, throughout the path that you've taken, your journeys, are there times that you have pivoted? And kind of what are we defining, how are we defining pivot? I think that would be an interesting thing for us to talk about, right? Like, there's so many ways that, especially in the world of communications, with just the landscape changing, like, so rapidly, that that's happening in in maybe non-traditional ways or uncontrolled ways as well. But, you know, what are some examples in your own paths of, like, changes you've made, maybe within the organization or even, you know, moving to an entirely different industry? Um, Would love to hear a little bit about that path. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think pivoting is rather subjective, right? But anything that's going to kind of take you out of your comfort zone, I think you could categorize as a pivot. Um, and, and then you should think about that as, an, as a challenge that you want to embrace. I know for myself personally, I started my career in publishing. Um, I got into the world of content and content publishing and I saw very quickly that having a direct relationship with with a client to really solve their needs was something that was really exciting to me so I pretty quickly sort of did a small pivot Mm -hmm. from media and publishing into custom content and custom solutions and then very deliberately made the pivot into the agency world Mm -hmm. and um and i found gratification in that not only personally but also in the ability 
for what I do as a vocation to actually have greater impact on the audiences that I was communicating with. So I'd say for me, you know, I, I've held roles that are in like journalism, then politics, then finance, and then tech. And I think one of the things about when I entered the workforce, it was when this conversation around the idea that you would have multiple careers in a lifetime was really taking hold, right? The stigma of are you staying with the place long enough was going away, which I think has been um, really like a through line for me throughout my career. Most recently, I moved from being in the world of finance to going to Nielsen. And Nielsen's very product driven, very tech driven. And I think, you know, when I was being recruited there, one of the things I was so cognizant of was like, I haven't been in a tech space and what I realized is what I say to people all the time, I think when you're really effective at your role, 80% of it is like your core skills, your core competency, and really having that sharpened. And then 20% is probably this like technical aspect mm-hmm. of your role, right? Of understanding exactly how this product works or how does the privacy framework impact this thing. Like you can learn that by doing research and getting up to speed. But I think, you know, when I look at what makes you competitive, it tends to be kind of those core things. Like, do you understand your audience and can you connect with them? Like, do you understand how to translate a message from, you know, what I often get, which is like product specs, and then how do you translate that to, say, a reporter, right? And so I think one of the things that I would say, because tech, I think, has this, finance definitely has it, they're both male-dominated spaces, Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes it can be a little intimidating of, like, if you are a woman stepping into that space, do you have what it takes? And I think that 80-20% rule has really helped me just to be like, I have the competencies for this and the 20% I can learn. Yeah, as we're talking about it, it's like so hard to define because it may be like, maybe you're an expert in PR and you go to different industries, so that's a pivot. Or maybe you stay in tech your whole career, but you have different roles. So it's really like, I think especially just like we said earlier, in this current landscape, it's just like things are, there are things you can kind of do consistently and then some of those jobs all of a sudden don't exist. Like, it's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting to hear both your stories because every person's story essentially has a pivot. And I, and Leslie, what you said that I think, like we used to talk about you know, you're going to have X amount of careers in your lifetime and it changed from like the generation ahead of us and then for the generation below us. But now it's like, what defines any of that career? <laughs> like, it's just these shifts. So we're all experiencing, I think this is really, really valuable conversation. Um, New York Women in Communications did a recent survey with its members um, to understand you know, their own experiences with these pivots or not pivoting within their careers. Mm-hmm. And so you both had spearheaded the survey, and I definitely want to talk about it today. I want to start by just talking about why this topic was important for the organization and why this information felt important to kind of gather from the New York Wiki membership. Well, we've really wanted to find opportunities to elevate the voices of the members and find spaces where we can introduce topics and things that we want to have a conversation around Mm -hmm. that are really challenging women where the types of things that you would want to sit and talk to your mentor about or your mentee um, whatever it may be and so 
not only experiencing these things for ourselves, but seeing the shifts in the landscape around us that are very real, um, it became a really important topic. And I think it's one that's gonna stick with New York Wiki for a while because it's not like a one and done. It's not gonna go away. This is the beginnings, I think, of an ongoing conversation. To your point, Julie, it's got so many layers mm -hmm. to it. And, and there are layers in it that are personal as you age in your career. Um, you will be treated differently and the expectations on you will be different. Um, I, I, I work right now in an industry that is full of incredibly young people and I am in the two, three percent of those mm. that are seasoned and experienced and um, that carries with it a whole other set of sort of expectations and you can't get too settled. Mm -hmm. You have to know that the rug may get pulled out from under you at any moment and if you're not cognizant of that and prepping for that and mentally um, ready to embrace what's next, I, th I think it's gonna be tricky. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, one thing that Georgia was pulling through that is so true is like how universal of a theme this felt like. You know, we have a very diverse membership base and certainly a very diverse board. It's, you know, in my experience, it's probably the most diverse board that I've sat on. And I think that definitely, you know, it works as a great test group because when something resonates and it resonates in kind of like ripples across the room, we know that we've like touched something that mm -hmm. is important and cultural. I think around pivoting, what we are finding is a lot of this, um, it's really about like what's driving you to make a change, mm -hmm. right? Like what are, and sometimes those can just be like self-motivated things, but a lot of what we were finding in the research was like really interesting insights into kind of what are the barriers that women hit? I think um, ageism is hugely important in that. But, you know, I also think there are so many things that, you know, as, as a black woman being in this industry, I've definitely had moments where I've had a lot of people who are mentees of mine be like, how do I navigate this, right? Like, how do I navigate this space that wasn't created with me in mind? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important too, to think through like, part of why pivoting is so important is to Georgia's point, it empowers you to be ready so that you have more options, right? So that you can really control and direct what you want your career to look like. Because the idea of like there being a set model for it, I think we're all past that mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah, what you said earlier like really just resonated with me just um, also about it not being a thing anymore that you look at someone's resume and you're like, well, they weren't at this job for 15 years. So mm. I feel like even at the beginning of my career, that was a thing. Like you would never leave a job, even if it was miserable and terrible because it would look bad on your resume. And for me, at least as a hiring manager, I like don't care about that anymore. Yeah. I don't care about that, which is really interesting. I mean, it's a huge like shift in just the past couple years yeah, because exactly. it's just natural and I know I'm going to keep saying this and I always say it on this podcast but it's just this industry is just changing 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 like it's unfair to look at people's roles in like any kind of previous light at all I was gonna say I think the value of experience too is really heightened today because of that because the industry has been changing so rapidly 
Um, when you're looking for someone to bring onto your team, so I run a strategy department and there are about 20 some odd strategists and strategy is one of those things where you might be a great brand strategist, a comms, there's a lot mm. of different flavors, right? But we really look for people that are coming in with a diversity of experience. Mm -hmm. Now, they okay. may not have a full rounded out suite, but you're looking for that spirit. You're looking for somebody that's open to learn and open to bring that in. And I think, too, when we think about Pivot, it is also around sort of that mindset, you know, of being ready, of being open. And I think that's the shift. So when you see someone that's moved around a bit, yeah, you're going to you're gonna interview them to make sure that there's not a reoccurring issue. But the minute you tap into someone that's got that curiosity of spirit, then you know you've got someone that's gonna work well in your environment, I think. Yeah, it's really, it's great. It's really different. It's This is a conversation I don't think we've had yet on this podcast about this specific thing and how that's changing. So I'm thrilled we're talking about it today. <laughs> Looking at the survey results, Nearly 60% of the respondents said that they're considering pursuing a different career track, whether that's within communications, within the industry, or switching industries completely. What do you think this says? I mean, that's 60% is a lot. <laughs> what do you think this says about the future of the communications industry and just kind of the future of all of our careers, maybe? Not to give it so much weight, but... <laughs> Oh, it's it's big. Yeah. It's interesting too when you look at the data. It, we we sort of looked also were there any major variations when we looked at people that were sort of under forty five and older forty five, mm -hmm. and it's not that much different. That's right? interesting. So that says to me a couple of things. I think there's a there's a stagnation in wages. I I, I do think that that's very real right now, and I think that's causing an awful lot of people to look up and look around. I also think everybody is being asked to do more with less, and I think that's another reason why people are picking their head up and then looking around. This is not an easy industry to be in. It is incredibly fast-paced. Um, as we've said, the dynamics are shifting all the time, so it's not for the faint of heart. That's not to say all of these people are looking to kind of bail and get out for something easier. <laughs> right. But I do think it is, a, I think there's a little bit of something indicative there of the pressure that is on our industry right now. Mm -hmm. I feel like ultimately, though, it's, you know, when you, when you look further out, I do think there's a lot of benefit in having folks in the media industry who are coming in from different backgrounds. I feel like there's so much that's happening from like a convergence standpoint, right? Like media right now is like media plus tech. Mm -hmm. Finance right now is trying to figure out how to be finance plus tech. And so I do think there's a lot of overlap that's happening. And so, you know, that can be really great if you're someone who's touched on all those places. I think to George's point, though, people do want to know, like, Ultimately, I'm trying to figure out like what is the best opportunity for me in my career right now. And so if you're kind of in a place where the only moves that you can see are kind of like these lateral moves, I think what underpins a lot of that is people kind of saying, I know I don't want to be in this spot right now, but I'm not exactly sure that the next opportunity is the right thing. And I think that's really interesting, right? Because it gets into this conversation of, 
what are the considerations you need to make as you think about like when to pivot and when it's the right thing because I think you know definitely we're seeing that 60% number but it isn't folks saying I'm pivoting tomorrow and leaving my job right? right it's people saying I've thought about it and considered it and I think that's really interesting when you get into that space to kind of be in the headset of someone who is like saying I know what I have right now doesn't fully align with my purpose but I'm taking some time to think about what's next. And I do think like that is really positive because mm-hmm. when you kind of have like, I always say this to people, I'm like, take five seconds more, you know, like when you're able to kind of pause and take a break and look at it holistically, I think that's when you make smarter decisions about what to move to. Because to be clear, pivoting isn't impulsively right. saying that tomorrow I'm just not going to do this job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's not what we're talking about. Pivoting is a deliberate choice to say, I want to change courses in my career. And I've put the thought and consideration into that. So I think that is kind of the distinction I'd make there. And I would also say, let's think about our audience, right? We have an incredibly empowered and um, proactive-minded set of members who are, you know, that. This is what they think about, right? They've joined New York Wiki also to sort of, right. exactly. in the mindset of thinking about this, am I where I need to be? Could I be somewhere else that's better? So I think it's also tapping into that. Mm-hmm. I think we it's the spirit of that the we of the organization, yeah. which is we're not complacent. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. We yeah. want to keep moving. That is we for want to sure. Keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. It's just also just a complete shift. Like the mindset. I just feel like it used to be you're at your job and then you basically wait till you get incredibly miserable and then you start looking for a new job. <laughs> like I, I really feel like yeah. that is the what. I, especially when I started my career, that was kind of the, the attitude. It was like, you do this job and you just kind of hope to get promoted. And if you don't, and now I think it's much more, you always have an open mind. Like maybe you're not always actively looking, but I hear that a lot from especially women saying like, well, I'm always open to talking about a role. Like maybe I'm not looking, you know, before I feel like, no, but I don't want to talk about it because I'm not ready to make the move. And then yeah. that probably, a lot of that's reflected in here too, is just, they more than ever we're open-minded about pivoting even if we're not like proactively thinking about it every day and job searching and yeah and I think to be fair to the um the the sense of loyalty is a little different than it has been in the past Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um particularly for folks that have been in the media industry for any period of time they have seen what can happen um, through downsizing, through restructuring, um, through transformation. And um, and I like to think that New York Women plays a role in encouraging women to think about themselves first. Um, not, not to not be loyal to who you work for, but at the end of the day, you've got to look out for number one. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a conversation that's happening more than ever is, you know, this whole... Your job is not your family. They don't look out right. for you first. Oh, I feel like yeah. that's an active conversation. People are doesn't mean you always have to be scared about being laid off, but understanding like what the realities are and how much you know you put in and take out of that. In the survey, overall, twenty two percent of the respondents said they were considering a career pivot due to lack of upward mobility. They feel held back or are looking for more for the from their role. 
what advice do you have for people who feel like they're struggling to get to this next level in their career? You know, you can speak just from experience, you know, to answer this question. How have you navigated that yourselves? Or what would you tell people who are looking to navigate that? I'm like laughing in my head because I'm thinking about um, my my life and finance was very much centered around this. Um, one of the lessons I had to learn was that I needed to be less focused on like the hierarchy right like I was you know and I think finance does that media does that there's kind of like you take these steps you enter as an analyst then you become this then you become that and I think what I realized is when that's what I was focused on and that's what I was chasing I was like wildly unhappy because I was just like I think I need to be this level and then there kind of was like in the back of my mind I was like to be honest like who cares? Right. You know what I mean? Like, who even cares? Does it mean anything for my right. life and next roles and I, like, everything? I update my signature and like, whoopee for me. And I think when I started to feel a lot more fulfilled was when I decided what I want to pursue are like, what are the things that coming in every day I'd be happy doing? Mm-hmm. And I was in a role that was very much a corporate kind of brand marketing role. And I remember being like, every time we meet with the media relations team, I just want to do what they do. Like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be focused on. And for me, that was like a pivot within the same industry. I didn't move industries. I just was like, I want to tell stories, but to a different audience and in a different way. I want to learn that skill set. And I think, you know, that's an important thing I would say to folks as well. As much as we're talking about you will have many careers, if you're in an organization that supports you, if you're in a place where like you're learning from smart people and there are opportunities for you to pivot internally, do that. You know what I mean? Like I think we oftentimes look at it and go like, do I need to make a leap? Sometimes it's not leaping outside. Sometimes it's just like saying, I want to go learn from these people and still be within the same spot. So it's great. It's great advice. The yeah, titles like is that something overall? Personally, I'm moving away from it, but I don't know if, like, the world is. Like, I used to work in traditional media, in magazines. I would live and die by the titles given to – arbitrary titles given <laughs> to me based on nothing, not even necessarily tied to income. Like, I know some places the titles are tied to income. And now I have a media company, and I try so hard to focus everyone away from titles. I'm like, pick whatever title you want because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It really, You know, but I think – I wonder if that's a universal shift or just a – my brain – shift (laughs) I don't know I do think that that you want to feel a sense of progression and I do think that that does satisfy that a little bit Mm -hmm. I think my advice to people is to particularly depending on where you are in your career you've got to go for the experience you've got to go for the knowledge you Mm -hmm. need to let that be the thing that really guides your decision making And the other couple of things I would say is you've got to be really realistic about what your ask is. And I don't know that there's any environment that I've ever worked in where you get the role before you prove that you can do the job. I think you just have to acknowledge and accept. You're going to have to show you can do it first. And then the third thing I would say is when you're pursuing like everything else in life, think about who your audience is, okay? When you can make and prove that you're gonna make your bosses or the other stakeholders' lives easier, less risky, less stressful, whatever it may be, 
your pathway towards what you want is going to be so much easier. Always put it into the context of what's in it for that. Right. <laughs> That's a, the, the thing um, about you need to basically be doing the job before you, or not need to, but that's just the reality of doing the job before you get that promotion. Like that is a recurring theme of so many of the women I speak to, especially at the executive level that have gone through these jumps. It's like just the reality. I think that we all, <laughs> you're right, it's like we just need to accept that because it's it's really rare to not have to do that. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, I think where that becomes a conflict is when there's a lack of trust that eventually I'm going to be, right. you know, recognized for that. But I do think if you're, you know, again, if you're in an environment where the people who manage you also are your mentors, right? Like that's a very rare thing to happen in your career. But if you get that, I think like, you know, doing the work of saying, I'm going to demonstrate my capability for this it shouldn't go um, unanswered, you know? Like, if you have people who are around you, care about your career, operate with integrity, like, that will be paid back to you. And so I think that's, you know, I would say um, one of the things that I keep talking about with, like, a lot of my girlfriends now is this idea of, like, how to know when you're taking on the role ahead of its time versus how to know when you're overextending. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key thing, right, is, like, are you dealing with people who have integrity and are invested in your career? Because if you are, it will it will come back to you. Yeah, I think that's really important to think about. And also, I mean, I think more and more there's like levels of transparency and communication that we didn't necessarily have before. So not just doing a role and being like, okay, I'm getting promoted, right? But really understanding what's actually happening in the environment and knowing, you know, is this is there any reality to this before you kind of dive into it? I think that is something we have a little bit more access to now. Mm-hmm. Um, just because people, especially between like your with your boss, there's just it's easier, I feel like, to communicate. Like communication is much more open. Um, I've seen that like in the progression of my career. I agree. I do think you've got to be your own advocate, though, at the end of the day. So when you head into those scenarios, have open, transparent conversation, set some markers, some milestones, Mm -hmm. and keep track. I was going to say track, track, track. Like, I would write it all down. Keep a spreadsheet. And look, I will tell you this. Your your boss may be very well-intended, but they may forget. Don't so just yeah. don't 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 lose track. You yeah, know, it's yeah. setting that accountability forward, and it's also you know like the kind of um, the unspoken thing in this is just you know with all the transformation that's happening in this industry, a lot of the way that most corporations engage with employees from like an HR standpoint has not caught up with that, right? And so part of why tracking and holding people accountable to like what they've committed for you is that you have to step into that role that I think for many people, you know, I I talk to people about this all the time. They're like, well, isn't that something that HR is supposed to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Like for me, ever since I was in the workforce, I always assumed advocating for myself was something I had to do. Mm-hmm. That there wasn't someone who was going to come and kind of like rescue me and mention this. And I think that's really, you know, that kind of rescue mentality, especially is pervasive in women. I've talked to women who have said things to me like, well, I don't bring up promotions. I just wait until it comes up. And I'm kind of like, 
wait, what? <laughs> All of us, like, <laughs> like went our, into shock just now. <laughs> yeah, like, our heads just collectively explode because I'm like, I think that you have to be an active participant in your professional development. Mm-hmm, you yeah. can't wait for someone to come riding up and rescue you. That's not ever how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. I, and I think you're right, and I think it's interesting, you know, when you read any story about how, like, millennials are too pushy at work, I do think it uh, is a little bit of the this conversation about the HR is not caught up you're not you do have to advocate for yourself and people are realizing that and they're doing it so it's not necessarily being pushy it's just knowing that this isn't going to happen if I don't do it it's just a shift that's a major major corporate especially in corporations you know that's a big big shift I will say though I think that um that attitude may have started from like a millennial point of view but I do think it's been beneficial for everyone. Oh, you know absolutely. what I mean? Like, yeah, it's been totally. so good to see. I like. Yeah. I have a very, um, I guess I'd say, like intergenerational team mm-hmm. that I work with at Nielsen. Right? Like, there are folks who've been at Nielsen for a really long time. There are folks like me who are kind of like within that under five year period, and we joined. And I do think, like, when you see people advocate for themselves it can help inspire you to know that you also have that right. And so I think that that needs to be more pervasive in the workforce because I think the only way that you get to a place where people are in the roles that they deserve and have demonstrated they can do is if they're all collectively speaking up mm-hmm. and claiming that. I mean, that's great. I, I also think our industry just, you know, it depends where you work, right? A lot of people are doing communications in in other industries, not necessarily working in media or at an agency, so that's different. And, you know, budgets might be different and landscapes are different, but especially for those of us working in traditional media, like really looking at the landscape and being proactive and understanding what's reality versus not reality of how it is, I think that's really important as, you know, we think about our paths and pivots. and this conversation to me just like brings it all together because I think at a lot of places there are transformations happening and advances happening and others there are not. So just looking at where you are mm-hmm. and what's happening within your organization, within your industry and making you know judgment calls based yeah. on that. That's also hard to do. I thought this next kind of stat from the survey was really, really interesting. So respondents were fairly evenly split when asked about taking a pay cut if it means transitioning to a role that they're passionate about. But those respondents over age 45 tend to be more willing to take a pay cut in this situation. So first of all, I just want to talk about that <laughs> in general and what you think may contribute. Because I thought, A, I really like the idea that we're not so money obsessed, that there's a 360 view on our own happiness, on our career paths, that people are taking that into consideration, amazing. But I was also surprised by kind of that age stat because you kind of think about when you may be worried about having more money or saving more money or having additional expenses. Um, So just want to hear your thoughts on, first of all, why you think that kind of is is how these results turned out. Like, why do you think the respondents are thinking um, thinking these things, willing to take the, the pay cut? I really don't know. <laughs> no, honestly. I'm not, I like I'm the not, answer. No, I'm yeah. really not sure. I, I do think, however, as you get older, you, rightly or wrongly, will believe that you have less choice. <laughs> and um, 
that may so the negative side of that is that that will encourage you to settle mm. for uh, for a price cut. On the other side of that, I do think going back to that sixty percent that are always open to looking to pivot. I think the positive side of that is I think women in particular look for new opportunities. They look for a little bit more purpose, particularly when they get older and, and over 45. And I think the priorities shift. And yes, bills still need to be paid, but I think a priority around purpose and mission will override salary. And I think that's the the positive take on the results of that data that I think mm-hmm. are, are kind of get, starting to get reflected in mm-hmm. those numbers. That's interesting. Yeah, I was wondering, like, there's just so many types of jobs also now, like different jobs, and it's not necessarily consistent, and you can jump around to industries that just are vastly different in terms of pay. So mm-hmm. I wonder if there's just more an awareness of, like, it's not as it's not this traditional trajectory of like up, up, up. And we talked about before, like level, level, level. It is right. this jungle gym of moving around and sometimes maybe you'll make more money or less money. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it, that was some you know, influence. It's just like, it's the reality is a little bit different. I think it's really a moment in time when you start to take stock, mm. honestly, of what's important to you. And I think, and I think mission, purpose, I think flexibility becomes something that we you know, we, we put more import on, uh, and, and I think, I, I suspect some of that is reflected. But this is what's interesting about this whole topic, right? Because we're, you know, we, you can see how much, how many layers and how much yeah. interesting fabric is embedded into this topic, um, that these are areas that we can go back and continue to probe on. I think where you are, in the development or uh, are you raising a family mm-hmm. probably has some significant impact in a lot of what we're talking about today which we didn't sort of directly probe on and I would love to probe on that because we know so many women suffer all kinds of consequences when they make the decision to have a family and how do they balance or integrate that into their work life and what does that mean and then when they come back and do they need to pivot and just there's just so much for Mm. us as women to consider that I don't know that men necessarily have the same for sure I mean I was thinking about like you know even for me I've been so inundated with this messaging around understanding the wage gap understanding like how much ground we need to gain just to be equal in Mm -hmm. terms of compensation to men that I think for me coming into my career I was very focused on I need to close that gap and I need to I'm kind of on like the upswing right so the upswing would be all the years I have before I make this like big life change and I think when you come in with all those messages around you it means that your focus tends to be very much comp 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 however I do think I've kind of had these moments recently where I'm like okay I need to walk this through and think through, okay, what is the balance between compensation and flexibility? Mm -hmm. What's the balance between a higher salary and having less time for myself and the people I love in my life, right? Like, I think that I've definitely seen 
you know, friends of mine who do this, of, you know, you take the offer that is the highest offer. And I think, you know, depending on where you're at in your life, sometimes you can do that. You can take on a high stress, high pay role. But I think you have to be able to think holistically, right? If you have something happen in your personal life, if you have something happen with your family, have you made the kind of career choices that allow you the space and time that you need? And I do think like a lot of, um, a lot of the way that women have been socialized to talk about this is you work, then you have some babies, and then you're kind of on this downswing. And I do think that's probably not the healthy way to approach it, right? Like it shouldn't be that you need to have a full home or you can burn yourself out. There's probably a balance somewhere in that spectrum. And I think it's gonna be interesting to see like as the demographics shift around women in the workplace and the kind of life choices that they're making, like how do we start to change that story arc and make choices that are more balanced Mm -hmm. kind of continuously through our careers as opposed to saying like, I'm gonna be balanced once I have a family because I don't know that that is like how to approach it. And I think also it's not great to see so many women who come in early in their careers get burnt out because they didn't have the kind of support they needed. So I think we just are still, we're not at a place where I think we've like fully figured out what the paradigm is for women who are in the workplace now in a very modern and contemporary way. It still feels like we've like adapted what we read in a bunch of magazines years ago (laughs) and we're just doing that, right? So I, I think we have work to do on that, but these insights really kind of for us when we saw the survey results and Georgia was walking me through it I'm like I have so many questions but I think that's the good thing it just yeah. is like you dig into these insights and you're like I have more questions about this and I think that's going to be a really interesting thing to pursue I think it's interesting like something we don't talk about as much is a constantly checking in about your priorities and reprioritizing like for me and I'm sure I've said this on the podcast a million times like Flexibility is number one. Like I could, I own my own company. I have a lot of flexibility and I'm so grateful for that. But if I was to ever go to a job, which, you know, I would absolutely make decisions based around flexibility over most likely compensation. I mean, you know, there's realities to living life, but it's so interesting because I think in the current world, there are probably 90% of jobs that I would be qualified for I would never take or they would never hire me because I would want to them not to care when I come in the office like I would always get my work done but Mm -hmm. I don't want you to care when I come in the office I don't Mm -hmm. want you to care if I ever come into the office right or what hours I'm working as long as it's done and you know but that's gonna maybe that'll change and I think you know to what you said Leslie like when you start your career your priorities are gonna be very different every six months every year like and I think checking in with yourself is really important I think that you know it's really it is really easy especially to get burned out when you're not doing that check-in and the re you know the reprioritizing of what's important to you and I think the good thing about that is I think there are a lot more work environments right available to us and I think to your point Leslie we're still catching up on figuring out how can we actually leverage and capitalize on that in a way that works for us and and it's not in a structured way but it's in a way that could be today wherever you are in your career life cycle I could reprioritize today Mm -hmm. and there's probably an environment out there 
that would be a good match. And yeah. that yeah. is very exciting about the world we live in right now. Yes. There's certainly like more yeah. of those. It's it's funny seeing um these very traditional environments kind of dipping their toes into that of being like, you can wear jeans and I'm like, or let people telecommute. You right. know what I mean? Like <laughs> they're definitely people kind of still feeling it out. But I agree, I think there are more and more environments that realize like it is possible to get the best out of your workers and it doesn't need to feel like a productivity battle, right? right. And I think that's, um, you know, I was just having this conversation last week with someone around learning to value equally what you do and who you are, right? And I think that more of the work environments that I'm really attracted to now, and certainly at Nielsen, what I have is this combination of an environment that values who I am because they understand that if I'm invested in that and I'm at capacity there and I'm fulfilled there that I will bring more and I will bring better work into the workplace and I think that is that's something not every company has gotten around to but I do think more of them mm. are getting there. I think the reality also is like a lot of these companies because I have noticed it so much like companies that are very like big and corporate and buttoned up are making shifts. I think the smart ones are realizing like to be competitive for the best employees, we have to offer these things. Because why would you come and work here and have to be in the office and have to wear a suit and you know have to commute an hour when you could be spending that hour working for me? <laughs> like yeah. that's a whole other conversation. But I think that that's I mean a lot. There's probably a, quite a bit of shift because they have to do it. But that's great. Like as long as kind of those shifts are happening, I think that will be. Um, it's, it's slow. It's a slow development, but it's hopefully it'll happen. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a process. Um, and, and I wonder, like, this is, you know, this is a whole other topic, but I do wonder if there is, you know, some thinking for us, especially as women who may, you know, need more flexible schedules, thinking about our current roles and pivots within those and going to the people that we work for and saying, I want to do this and the way I'm going to be my most productive self is... X, Y, and Z. And I think, you know, I had someone who I'm working with now say, I actually want to come, they're supposed to be remote. They're like, I want to come into the office Mm. because I think it's a more productive time. Not every day, but this amount of time. And so it's just, I thought that was really interesting. It's like thinking about what you want, going to your bosses and Mm. kind of helping shape what's going to make you a productive worker. We don't, I don't think anyone's ever felt, or a lot of people haven't felt, we have like the luxury, that's very, you know, bad word to use around it, but the luxury to do that. If you'll stay at your job longer. Yeah, I think that's really... I was having a conversation with someone about that today, in fact, and uh, they were questioning and um, not particularly happy, and yet they're a really valued employee, and mm. they have a lot of um, credibility within the organization. And I, and, I, and I told her, I said, you need to just... You need to take the break. You know, we're heading into the holidays. Take a little time to really think about what would make you happy because mm-hmm. you're in a you're in a power position, and right. you need to leverage that and come back and say I need a little bit of this I need some support there and I don't want to do this but I want to do more of that. You may only get seventy five percent of what sure. you've asked right. for, mm-hmm. but chances are they will capitulate because you are valued and and and. If you don't ask, you don't get. Right. And I think even asking and not getting it can also be a great learning experience. I mean, I do know, I know people who've asked and said there were small things and the company didn't 
give it to them. But then it's like, well, now I know what the deal is. So oh. that's educational as well, right? Oh, I always say that, but like even even disappointing answers are information. Yeah. Right? That's like great. you kind of know the limits of how far out like would you go for me? And that's important. I feel like there's so many people who don't ask and in part it's because they're afraid of getting the wrong answer, right? They're afraid of getting the answer they didn't want. And so then what do you do? You're just kind of like in a limbo. Right. You don't know. <laughs> they haven't been asked. Like I would much rather have a conversation that feels emotionally difficult in the moment but clarifies to me where I stand. And I think that's really important that like you have those conversations because it might be that you're not trying to, to George's point, you might not be trying to overhaul your role. Right. But like, are there ways that you can like adjust it a little bit? Mm -hmm. And if you're in a relationship where someone kind of punitively is like, no, I don't want you to make even these small and reasonable changes, that tells you a lot about right. the professional relationship you're in. Absolutely. Totally. It gets back to, right, like even those little pivots, right? Those little micro pivots can sometimes really make the difference mm. in your happiness and in your role. I'm glad we use this time to define pivot from anything <laughs> Many, many, many microscopic to huge things. Because I think we we only think about career changes, or maybe not we only, but usually we're thinking about career changes as just these like big changes, shifts, new job, and it's like it could be week to week <laughs> that you're pivoting. <laughs> so the survey that New York Women in Communications put together has helped lay the groundwork for this new initiative, which is the Pivot Development Grants. Can you talk a little bit about the grants and you know how they might be beneficial for women who are considering career transitions? How we should be thinking about you know maybe even what these grants could go towards? Obviously, you're not going to be able to say everything, but some yeah. of the things. I think when we looked in the market in terms of like what is available to women in communications in terms of like resources or access. One of the things that we kind of zeroed in on were that there weren't a whole lot of programs that would give you the ability to self-direct and say, this is what I need at this moment in time. And I think that was really important to us because it, you know, for, we've talked about like the New York Wiki membership and the New York Wiki board and just how leaned in that group is that like we really, I think, have created an environment where when a woman in our organization says, I need this thing, I trust that that is what she needs. And I think we really felt like we wanted to say, here are the resources, but line them up with what you need in this specific moment in time. And I think that's part of what makes it unique is it gives you this ability to kind of say, this is within my control, right? This is what I need at this phase, at this moment. And we're able to be there as a resource to that, as opposed to prescriptively saying, these are the options that you can choose from, because what we didn't want is for a woman to look and say, well, that doesn't fit with what I need mm -hmm. right now. Um, so we really wanted to shift the paradigm. I think a lot of these programs kind of assume that the, the beneficiary doesn't know as much as the person giving. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to take a like much more real approach and say, like, you know what you want, you know what you need and what you want to go after next. We are here as a resource. So it's very much a different way of approaching this grant, which I think is really refreshing and wonderful because I, you know, we had this conversation 
I wish that there had been something like this at the mm-hmm. moments that I needed it right. in my career when I was very specific about like if only I could take this course or if only I had the resources for this course and so I think that was really important to us to kind of stay in the gap there and say you know what you want we are here to resource that um, you know the the thing that I would call out that we found from the study, which I thought was just fascinating, is that there's so many employee programs that are available through companies where people work. But those programs tend to be around things like, let's say, tuition reimbursement. And so I think you know what we wanted to provide was a model that, yes, was self-directed, but also was more flexible. because. Mm-hmm. There are oftentimes things that women are like, I would really like to do that, and they can't find an avenue within their organizations to be able to ask. And so I think what we really wanted to do is to turn that on its head and say, we're a place that you can make the ask that you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, as you know, we've been talking about this and thinking about resources, it's like, when you're looking to make, when you're looking to pivot, especially if it's going to be a big one, like your company, even if they have all the resources in the world, they're not going to help you with something that's unrelated. <laughs> Unrelated, most likely, maybe most they're likely very cool. Yeah. But that's what I love about this. It's like really feeling that gap of maybe I'm interested in this thing. I I don't know. Like, how can I at all figure it out? You know, financially, when that's not that's not something I can spend my money on in my organization. My company is not going to pay for it. So I think there's a huge gap that this really fills, which I'm excited about. Yeah. So there's an evaluation process yeah. of sorts. We want to make sure that. Um, it's sort of aligned to the New York Wiki mission and we're supporting women in our industry. But to Leslie's point beyond that, it really could be anything. It's whatever is gonna get you to that next step in your career and really support you. So um, one of the things that I think is very popular is some professional coaching. Mm. You know, you may have a mentor, which is wonderful and everybody should have one um, or be a mentee, but a little professional coaching, a little time out to focus on you, mm-hmm. particularly if you are thinking about a large pivot situation, that can be incredibly valuable. And getting the funding to support that when it may be something that might have seemed completely out of the realm of what's possible for mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. just opens up so much opportunity. Yeah, that's great. That's It's really, really exciting. So the deadline to apply is going to be early 2020 and all the information about the grant can be found at on the New York Women in Communication website which is nywici.org nywiki.org and the specific page will be at nywiki.org slash pivot dash grants so pivot dash grants and that's the page where they have all the information how to apply some more information about what it is and any other advice or thoughts about for people who are looking to apply for this? The only thing that I would say is if you're listening to this and you're thinking that this is not for you, take a pause and spin that on its head because I think this is for everyone. Thank you both so much for being here. This was an incredible conversation. I learned so much. I'm really excited about talking about pivots more. I feel like we're going to pivot some of this bad joke, um, this podcast, <laughs> into talking a little bit more about this and thinking about this shift and continuing to just have this conversation. 
If our listeners want to learn more information or apply for the Pivot Grant, again, the URL is nywiki.org, nywici.org slash pivot dash grants. So check there for all the information on how to apply, deadlines, a very special thanks to Georgia and Leslie for chatting with me today. I love talking to you guys, so thanks for your time. And if you want to find more information about this podcast, listen to all of our episodes, you can go to that same URL, nywici.org. It's easy, right? Slash podcast, nywiki.org slash podcast, where we have all of our episodes. And I want to thank you for listening. You've been listening to Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie hockheiser Ilkovich. Thank you to the amazing team that works on this podcast. Chelsea Orcutt, Elizabeth Roberts, Chrisanne Grise, Mandy Carr, and Alex Fetter, who wrote our original theme music. And thank you to everyone at New York Wiki who supports us, including, but not limited to, the team at Kellen, Deidre Wyeth, and June Price, who designed the show's logo and does all of our graphics. For more information about Coffee Break with New York Wiki, go to nywiki.org slash podcast. That's nywici.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening.